Hi, and welcome to Right To Be Heard with Robert Gillis. I'm Robert and I'm an artist, songwriter and producer. And for this episode, I was so fortunate to sit down with one of my favorite collaborators, Casper Larson. Casper is from Denmark. He's a wonderful producer. He's worked with Callum Scott, Selena Gomez, The Wanted. He's got cuts with some amazing artists. And he's responsible for some of my favorite sessions from this last year. We talked about seismic changes in our lives. We talked about how important empathy is as a quality, climate change and how that's affecting our career choices, and stuffed ducks. So I hope you enjoy this as much as I enjoyed making it for you. Give a warm right to be heard welcome to Casper Larson. Dude, it is so good to see you. you how, have you be- how have you been? I've been good. I've been good. Luckily, the, the things are changing here in, in Denmark. So uh, we are getting all the restrictions off next week. Oh, wow. Oh. No, no it, breaks. Nothing like like it, nothing. No, no, anything. Are you nervous about that? No, not really. Not nervous. <laughs> I'm just like, uh, getting my life back mostly. Yeah. Looking forward to to start traveling again. I've I've almost almost planned my entire spring. That's so, amazing. Yeah. So are you are you actually you're gonna go and do like sessions in locations now? Yeah, I want to go back to London soon, mm. uh, and I haven't been for more than two years now. And also Berlin, which I I was in Berlin in uh, late November, which was very restricted and in a way boring <laughs> uh, <laughs> not being not, not the working part of it but more like when you're not working and then i'm going to la in april what that's amazing yeah it's nice so when was the last time you were in la two years and like four months wow so that's amazing i'm not i'm not quite sure how to be in a room with people and and interact in a social way where it's like i'm getting used to if people are annoying i can just turn them off (laughs) i'm I'm not doing that for real but (laughs) no i know what you mean like you and i we've only ever sessioned online yeah yeah exactly and it's just like oh dude i'm just gonna listen to the track for 20 minutes yeah and like for all you know, I could just be like, oh, I'm going to go make myself a sandwich. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We we, we might, when we in the room, we might even end up waterboarding each other. <laughs> we have no clue how to work together with like small breaks. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's going to be quite good and also quite interesting. I think my world is definitely going to change now. I'm going to, I'm going to, ha- going to have to do Zoom session as a part of my work life. Mm-hmm. But I miss being in the room with people. I miss taking musical chances. The vibe of Zoom versus the vibe of being in person, they can actually work just as well as each other. The flow is very different, but I I found I've become so used to doing Zoom. But then I had like some in-person sessions in Oslo recently. Uh I didn't realize how much I missed it. (laughs) There's that ability to literally just run around a room and pick up instruments and try stuff out. Yeah. But then I think... All of us had also been so used to Zoom sessions that we were like, are, are we having a coffee break right now? What's going yeah, on? Like, yeah, exactly. we weren't sure how to take breaks anymore. Oh, no. 
I th- and, and for the last two years, most of my sessions where I didn't e- even have to wear pants, basically. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Actually, I realized I've never seen your lower half. So no, I'm not even going to question that. Like, yeah, you're going to question that from now on. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm basically naked from, uh, from my... <laughs> <laughs> my belt and down. <laughs> so you and I, we first met. I mean, we've never actually met in person. Oh. This is amazing to me. We had this session set up and I will never forget it because it was an awkward session because I yeah. feel like we didn't achieve anything. <laughs> oh, no, no, we didn't. And I remember feeling like, are, are we going to work again together? That's when I had a temporary space above my publisher's office. Uh-huh. And it was just the most inconvenient place for me to work, but also for my publisher, because they were always playing records and I was always singing. And it was just this, it was this weird session where it taught me a lot that we got together after a session, after a first session, like, I w- I'm so used to these in-person ones, like especially when I lived in LA, we'd have a first session and it might not go very well. And then you, the, the chances of you working together again are like next to nothing. And then you and I, I think we, we took a chance on each other again, which turned out to be one of my favorite songs of the year. Same for me. Um, and that's also, I think, what is the, the blessing and a curse with Zoom is that you easily skip because it feels like, wow, oh, this is not going to work. And this is only, we spent like an hour and a half and didn't do anything. <laughs> and we're just going to say, okay, let's do some other time, which is, is in a way the bad thing because you're not really working for it. Mm. Uh, but the good thing is it's so easy to get back on again and retry another day. I remember when you first met, you said you had had like two weeks of constant Zoom sessions. And you also said you wrote the most amazing song the day before or something. Oh, like that. no, I did that thing, didn't I? I? I think I kind of recall that. And in that <laughs> way, I think it it can be a little bit difficult to restart. But for me, I, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty confident in many ways. So I just kind of felt, okay, we're just going to jump back on. If it's going to be the same thing, that's going to tell us we're not going to work again. But uh, I was kind of expecting that we were going to do something a lot better than the first time. And I mean, that's something that I love about working with you is you have this wonderful flexibility in sessions. And it's something that I remember when I was working with like songwriters, like the majors, there was this attitude. I, I could tell there was this difference between like the kind of, I mean, where I was at the time, the kind of amateur league was we would push an idea for hours, an idea that just wasn't working, but we felt like we had to finish it. Uh-huh. And then I'd work with people like you who would be like, hang on, if something's not working for like 10, 15 minutes, we're going to jump to another idea. And that is one of the most wonderful qualities that you have is that you are so good at saying, hang on, this isn't working. And you're so good at hearing it because you gave me the confidence to say it to you. So we have this dynamic now, I feel, where if we don't feel like something's working, we're very open about it. It's this amazing quality that you have. Have you always been like that? No nonsense, like... <laughs> no, no, but that's, that's interesting. Hmm. Uh, no, I don't think so. I think it, it actually comes with age. <laughs> it's a com- it comes a little bit with that. And it also comes with, I think, I have too many songs on my hard drive that, <laughs> that are not that good Mm. and songs that actually i felt when working on it i felt that it was not that good like even have spent seven hours in a room with somebody and all the way through i was not really feeling the song Mm. and none of those songs has ever done anything 
Yeah. So I think it's I think it's it's from that experience mostly that I'm aware of I need to feel it in some way, not necessarily that I'm going to cry over it, but more that it's going to it's going to get me or it's going to interest me, it's going to shock me or surprise me or something. It's just going to do something for me. That's I think it's basically that that feeling that I I I to, I, I literally told myself this like three, four years ago, that I I was going to be more stubborn in the sessions. And mm. I, I wouldn't do just a whatever song. I, I, I just couldn't stand doing more whatever songs. So something that happened like professionally for you that made you think, you know what? Because I, I, I'm the same way. Like I used to, I used to think of it as like a numbers game. Yeah, and I think in, pitching in some way, you can look at it as a numbers game, just like throw as many songs at people as possible, but they have to be good songs. Mm -hmm. And I think my attitude when I was first starting out was like, all right, at least a song a day, whatever it is, I'm, I'm going to start it, I'm going to finish it, and it's a song and I've got it. But you're so right, you end up with this body of work, which is, this is not exciting for you. And if it's not exciting for you, how are you going to get other people excited about it? Yeah. So I'm curious to know if like that was a conscious decision on your part. Yeah. Was there like a shift happening for you professionally, like like around about that time that made you kind of think that way? Had it been something that was on your mind for a while and then just suddenly kind of clicked? It's 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 a thing I have. It's like I always feel like I could change stuff. Like I wasn't that good at doing it in sessions before, like three or four years ago. But I've always been like generally in life being good at uh, changing my mindset. Like, okay, now I'm doing this, and if it's not working, I'm going to change it. Mm. So that's generally a perspective I have on life. And <laughs> I, besides from doing it with myself, I also want to make other people doing it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm like, so stop doing that thing all the time we have to we have to change it we have to flip it over and and see everything from a different perspective mm. so and that's the thing i've always done like in like in life life in general musically it's it was more like i have i still i have like 800 songs on my in my catalog i think something like that and i was just running through that and thinking okay this is not i can't just be keep on doing whatever kind of thing. And I think the big perspective, like four years ago, and this is not in, in any way music related. Six years ago, I had a stroke. Oh, uh, I had no idea. Oh, no, not too, too many people know about it. I had a stroke six years ago and it came out of nowhere. And it was not like one of those, wow, this is an eye opener. But it was because it wasn't that it wasn't I was living fairly healthy. Actually, I was in the best shape of my life, but it changed my perspective on a lot of things. It's mm -hmm. like, what what do I want to spend my time on? Uh, it's like I, I could have a stroke again in two years and it's going to be a bad one because this one was 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 a small one. And the other thing was that I realized they could see that I have had a stroke earlier in my life that I wasn't aware of. Whoa. So I might have had a stroke when I was like 20, which I didn't notice. And then I had this one like six years ago when I was 41, 42. And um, I might I might end up having another one. So I was thinking, wow, <laughs> I'm not going to waste my time on anything. I want to have goosebumps all the time. I want to have amazing. I want to have great experiences. I want to do fun stuff. So so that was that was actually uh, that was a big 
game changer. Yeah, no, because as soon as you, you sort of mentioned this paradigm shift, I was like, you know, maybe something professional, like maybe <laughs> you changed publishers or something. I had <laughs> no. no idea. That's amazing. No, it, it was not that boring <laughs> as changing publisher. It was, it was a, I faced, I faced death. Actually. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's, that's stunning. Cause I, uh, it got me thinking as you described this, and I had no idea stroke was like the thing you were going to say, but, <laughs> no, you know, no. I, like these, I, was, these... I was also holding on if this is the forum for <laughs> opening up on this, but uh, you you were digging in that hole for a second. So I think, okay, you're going to get that. Oh, dude, it's just, it's like me in sessions. Like, I, I think that's got me into trouble early on in my career when, like, I had this one session, it resulted in a beautiful song. And the first question I asked her when we got into the studio was, what is something that you've never revealed even to your best friends? And as the words came out of my mouth, I saw my friend who was producing the session be like, no, 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 why are you doing this? This That's like, we just met. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, she was she was able to take that and run with it. But I, I, I realized that, I think this is something I'm learning about myself, is that I'm a naturally like incisive person mm. and that spills over into my writing. And yeah. I think that's also why you and I work really well together is because I don't think we're ever satisfied with like a first pass of something. Oh, no. And I know this about you. It's always like, hang on, this works, but can we do better? I think I have the same thing. Uh, mm -hmm. Also being, I can be a little bit brutal like not on purpose, <laughs> not at all on purpose. It's just, I always dig a little bit deeper when I'm with people. I, I do get in trouble sometimes, especially in sessions. If I kind of like ask about things that people are not comfortable talking about and I'm, I don't always see it that I'm doing it mm -hmm. because it feels natural for me to be open about a lot of things. I, I remember one time a session in London with with a, a girl and we also talked about like personal stuff and we started vibing on a song that was me, her and, and another guy. And the lyric kind of went somewhere, we kind of felt that, okay, she's, she wants to tell something here. So it became more and more like, like this is a personal thing. It, but we wasn't aware of what we were writing about. And then suddenly she said, this is because I was raped when I was 16. Wow. And that was like, that gave me goosebumps like crazy. It was emotional that she felt uh, so comfortable in the room saying that, that she actually told me after being together with her for an hour, such a personal thing. And that's the same thing I do. <laughs> it's, it's also what I do with people. Um, so, so, so in that way, it was like, wow, wow, this is, this is huge. Um, but it can also be brutal because if you're not like comfortable with hearing personal things on that level, yeah, some people can be a little awkward around it, I think. As you talked, I realized that there's something about what we do. I think when you make music, you naturally have to be in tune with the world around you, especially to make music that's like has universal appeal, but you also have to be in tune with people in a room that you barely have time to get to know. And if you're going to write something of meaning and substance, you kind of have to like jump into this ocean, like the small talk pond, you just like jump right over it. Mm -hmm. And it's this trust. It's this, you have to build this trust. And I, and I you know, I, I think when I was just starting out, I think I had this kind of more sterile idea of what sessions were like. And yeah. then the more time I've spent doing it and the more sessions I've done, realizing that we have this duty to each other, I think, in sessions. 
where we want to respect other people's vulnerability and openness, create an atmosphere where we can, I guess it's, it's a, an atmosphere of empathy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so- I often think, man, if we could just extrapolate the best sessions, like I would hope that that kind of bleeds out into our personal lives, creating these very personal spaces where people feel very safe to explore these deep personal, often like life-changing things with other people so we can channel into music. It's a huge trust. I, I so, think empathy empathy is a good word. Do you know the, the thing called Masterclass? Uh, I do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a Masterclass by Pharrell, which is called Empathy. And he, uh, he talks about how big a thing empathy has been for him, knowing how to, to have that even, mm-hmm. and what it does like in general, also for his like musical career and the way he acts, just based on empathy, like putting yourself in other people's life in a way, mm-hmm. instead of see everything from your angle. So it's a, it's a, it's a good life lesson, I think. So, you know, we were talking, I think I, <laughs> I think I, I got us on a tangent there, but <laughs> you know, we were, we were talking about these paradigm shifts that happen and you shared that the, you know, the stroke had a, had a big effect on and how you approached your life and your work. Mm-hmm. And to a lesser degree, I feel like I can see when I look through my catalog, it's almost like rings in a tree where the growth like happens. I can see these moments and then directly identify them with these like seismic shifts in my life where the writing changes for the better. So it goes from like stagnation or it goes from songs that maybe technically felt like they should be good, but weren't hitting an emotional mark. Uh-huh. And the biggest one I feel actually happened was at the beginning of the pandemic um like we were stuck in la and we didn't leave our place for like nine months and all of these things happened at the same time where like it was getting harder and harder for me to get anyone's interest my artist project at the time was kind of falling apart and then in that maelstrom of terrible things there's this huge leap in my writing and a huge leap in like how deep I'm willing to go with myself. Yeah. And from that point on, it's like, I haven't looked back and it explains to me why like every time we get in a session, whenever we finish a song, those finished songs are like next level. Yeah. And my whole catalog from that, like from that shift has looked like that. It's amazing to me that, you know, I, I think like we're human beings, we have this aversion to pain, but it drives growth. Mm-hmm. Like pain and discomfort kind of help us grow into more of ourselves. I think this, the, like this whole Zoom thing, which is not like comparable to like a tragedy or anything, but it just changed my mindset. It changed my way of working. It changed my, like a lot of things which also made me a lot better, I think. It's something that you and I actually talked about when it came to like realizations we've had through doing Zoom sessions mm-hmm. was this idea of being more conscious about how we travel as producers, songwriters. In the years before, I could count on one hand how many remote sessions I did. And they were never great. Like they were kind of uncomfortable and they were just like out of a, like just sheer necessity of, oh, we have to get something fixed in a track and that's it. Yeah. For me, there's this, there's been this shift of realizing, okay, so I can't travel the way I used to. And, you know, especially living in the US, there was this expectation that I'd always be going to Nashville or going into New York and then even doing like European trips. And for the first while I, I felt like, oh my gosh, 
I've lost that whole way of life. Mm-hmm. And I realize now it was a privilege to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. But something you and I talked about, and actually you inspired me, was we were talking about, okay, if we're able to do this many sessions on Zoom, traveling is not a necessity, we can still do it, but how do we change our mindset around our work? We talked about, I think, like being good stewards of the earth, basically. Uh-huh. Like, how do we address like these big issues in the world and apply that to what we're doing as musicians on a practical level? I remember you mentioned like, oh, I'm going to be taking more train trips mm-hmm. or I'm going to be trying to fly less. Now, obviously we can't like take the train to LA. So that has to be a flight, but you inspired me. I had these sessions in Oslo recently and I was like, you know what? It's a seven hour train ride, but it's beautiful. I did, I'm kind of nerdy, but I did this whole like CO2 footprint breakdown for myself. And it was huge. Uh-huh. Like what I managed to like, in terms of my footprint. Oh, okay. Oh, interesting. And you directly inspired that because of the conversations we were having about, because I think you did, did you take the train to Berlin? I, I took the train to Berlin and also to Stockholm. So uh, I'm going to be that super annoying guy <laughs> who, who is always doing stories on Instagram with me getting on the train and telling <laughs> everybody that you're supposed to do the same thing. I'm, I'm going to be that guy. I'm definitely going to be that guy. But I, I still, I'm not so sure what, how I can do those things. Uh, I still go to London. But I'm still seeing like if I can... Tr- and if I can do more Zoom sessions, if I can take more trains, I'm still like cutting down 70% on my plane, I think. And th- th- that I should do that definitely. That's that's the kind of, I feel that's that's I something I owe to humanity. Yeah, I, I swear I was about to hear you say the whole human race. And I was like, yeah, yeah, dude. Like you just said, like it takes you seven hours to Oslo, right? And yeah. it was, if you have to go by plane, you have to go to the airport, fly for 45 minutes maybe uh and then land's gonna take all in all three and a half hours with in before the plane leaves and blah 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 when you're going on the train you can just be there 10 15 minutes before so still it's a lot more time consuming consuming taking the train there's no question about it it's a lot more but if you think of it like okay this is a day at the office or whatever you can pitch songs, fix stuff, whatever, when you're on the plane, on, on the train, sorry. And that's what I did when I took the train. I had, I could, I could tap myself on the shoulder all the way and think about <laughs> my, my, my imprint uh, and, and have some office work done. But it has a little bit more impact on family life. But yeah. Like, I mean, that's it, awesome, though. It, that, to me, extends back to this idea of, of creating empathy in sessions. It's not just, you know, it's empathy for, for those around you. That is an empathy for the wider world. Yeah. Which I, extends I, out. I, I think I'm, I'm, I definitely don't feel I'm doing it for myself, like bragging and say, I'm that guy who are able to do that. It's definitely not that, but I, because it's the whole environmental thing means a lot to me. I tried to be you on the train <laughs> and like work on stuff, but I realized that there's so many tunnels and then like on the, <laughs> wow, on the train wow. ride. So I get signal and oh. then, it, you know, it takes like 30 seconds for it to kick back in. Okay. But as soon as it kicks back in, we're in another tunnel that's like five miles. <laughs> just... Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and then we got out to like the middle of the trip, which is like around, around about, I think, Yalo. Yeah. And like, there's just nothing there. And I remember I was like trying to send like emails. Yeah. And it was like 
not huge emails, like no attachments. <laughs> and it would like, somebody would be like, Hey, I need these things like right now. I'm like, great. I'm literally sending it in the moment. And it takes like two hours to get to them because <laughs> finally, by the time we have signal, by the time yeah. we're out of these tunnels. Oh yeah. Yeah. So hopefully the trains will, will work on their Wi-Fi system. Yeah. That, that would that will help a lot. I think something I have to ask you. And this is, this is completely out of nowhere. When I first looked you up, I came across a picture of you with a duck. Oh yeah. Like, <laughs> you've heard this before, but like whenever I'm working with people, I, I try to do my homework and look them up and be like, okay, who am I working with today? What have they done? By the way, your list of cuts is insane. Thank you. You have this like whole Spotify playlist of songs you've done and it's, it's mental. And I'm going to have to share that with everyone after this podcast. So when I looked you up, I'm confronted with this picture of you looking like really cool and artsy and then just holding a stuffed duck and like almost like looking at it in this kind of like pensive way. And I kept thinking to myself, is this duck a statement? What is the duck about, dude? <laughs> That's kind of a funny thing because a lot of people ask me that and some, I love like, I, I think my publisher don't even want to use that photo because they feel it's silly. And it's basically, yeah, just me sitting, looking at a stuffed duck. I think in many ways it actually refers, refers to the talk about the musical thing of it. Like, I want to bring in something that feels like, wow, this is interesting, or this is funny, or this is quirky, or this is different. Not like, I'm not like super artsy or anything. I still do like very like top 40 kind of music most of the time. but. I, I like to have that little bit of thing, something that surprises you. And and I just kind of felt that having a photo of me, I'm not so comfortable with having photos done. So that just felt good for me having something that was like, what is that? Why does it have that? <laughs> Uh, and and the photo was done by by a, a Danish photographer who's absolutely insane and have a lot of he took uh, photos of Björk and Bick and David Bowie and and me. <laughs> <laughs> so I was actually a little bit inspired. I think he took a photo of Bick where he has like a hat on or something. So I borrowed a few like stuffed animals from somebody, <laughs> and I just brought like I think it was like six or seven different birds in the in the photo shoot and so yeah so that's where that come from uh, the duck made the cut though the, the duck made the cut yeah and just <laughs> like looking at that duck like i'm in love or something it it looks like it's a little quirky a little bit like left of center ish which i really like a lot and i really love that photo still and but my publisher doesn't i think <laughs> i think it works though dude thanks, like thanks you wanted so whatever because of that, maybe. So so it's a good thing. Like, yeah, wh whatever your publisher says, it works. Because yeah. I was like, I'm intrigued. <laughs> I can't wait to work with this guy. Yeah. Holy a duck. You gotta ask him about the duck. Like, and, then, and then the session was over. That was our first session, basically, wasn't it? <laughs> and I never even got to ask you about the duck. <laughs> so, dude, you as I mentioned, you have this Spotify playlist with a boatload of cuts. Because I used to think, oh, I, I mean, like. I never felt like I had a lot, but I felt like, you know, I, I got some cuts. This is, this is pretty nice. And then when I looked at yours, I was like, oh, this guy's been busy. I think for me, I've been in this position where I've had like two cuts that have done crazy well. In fact, one, I'd say one has done crazy well. And then I've had all these other cuts, which have felt like, even though they're songs I believed in, they never did as well. It's this ocean of like songs that kind of did somewhat well, but never quite broke into the same 
thing. And I'm wondering, like, do you still have this goal ahead of you of like, I want a cut bigger than the ones I have? What's your process like with that? Yeah, absolutely. I still, yeah, I I do have that thing of I want to have something bigger than I had. And it's mostly, what is that even about? It's not artistic thing, basically. No, it's not. It's just like, it's just because of it's, it's more fun to see that that people love what you're doing, I think. Uh, and I just the whole feeling of getting goosebumps when you hear your song on the radio. And that whole thing is something that I, I feel is like, okay, I, I made something that relates to a lot of people in one way or the other. So yeah, I'm, I'm still waiting for that big one. I have this, I had the same thing as you, I, you have, I think you've definitely had a few cuts that was like, wow, this is, this is big, big. So you and probably everybody around you were just like waiting for you to do another one and another one, the same size of it. I think some, there's some of the songs I've had, I think most of them did not really do that well as I was expecting it to be. Like, you know, the feeling of you're writing with somebody who had a huge hit and then it's like, okay, I'm going to get single number two, the big one. Apparently, it was a lot smaller than the first one, apparently. So, and that's what's happening. And and it's nothing you can do about it. And it's not a, a better or worse song than whatever is out there. I think for me, I'm not doing anything specific about it. I'm still just like working and writing and do what I, I love to do. I think it's something I still, I still work for, like trying to, trying to have session with better people, trying to write better music basically and it's not something that that is like a big thing on my mind at all i do have a lot of releases but it's a lot like different things like local stuff danish uh, releases uh, earlier like in my career i did more albums than i do now so like a full album easily looks good on <laughs> my playlist because <laughs> that's 10 songs right there. So uh, I was more involved in doing doing that. Yeah, I mean, if I, I feel like in that you, you touched on a couple of things which are really important. And one is there's that social pressure, mm -hmm. which it terrified me that my first song did as well as it did because it gave me a really distorted view of, of how the industry works. It gave me this, this idea that the next cut will come just as easily yeah. and the next cut will probably do just as well which looking back i'm like no that's an insane mindset it doesn't work like that at all and you know there's definitely that thing for yourself where and i think maybe this is probably a lot of the reason why we do what we do is we we want to connect with people you know we we write songs that you know as you said before like we're we're cutting deep into really meaningful and important subjects and topics. And we want to communicate that with people. And it's a very human thing to want to be heard. And it just so happens that the way that we measure that in music is through numbers at the moment. You know, it's, yeah. it's through like how much, how much airplay are you getting? How many streams are you getting? And so it does create that external validation um, where you can kind of get this idea of how many people vibed with this. But then you mentioned something super important, which is, how out of control the whole process is yeah for all of us yeah like you know you're working with an artist whose whose latest single just did huge and you're thinking oh my gosh yeah because i had the same thing you know you're working with someone you think i can't wait to get on that train and then it just so happens to skip the station absolutely yeah <laughs> so, and i think i've also learned that i i have no clue 
I have no clue what works. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I, I think the only thing you can do is like, does it connect with you and the people in the room or on your Zoom? Like, do you do you love what you're doing? That that's the only thing I can measure. It. I think it's I think it's so difficult to figure out how everything works, and also like the other thing like that is we we cannot avoid is the thing that we're doing this for a living as well. So it's also besides from from the whole goosebumps thing, it's also about like you have to pay your rent. <laughs> um, so then that's also important in the whole numbers game. So so I think it's sometimes I feel sometimes when we talk about the whole thing, how important it is to feel and how we are like digging deeper in the sessions. I, I think I try to do that all the time. But I also admit that sometimes it's not about that. It's about sometimes about making a party or sometimes it's about getting people to jump or whatever or feel. Yeah, I mean, not not every song has to be like the deepest thing ever. Sometimes oh, exactly. No, yeah, it's just about creating a, a good vibe. Yeah. When when talking about having like the next big hit or whatever, it's like there's different different ways of getting there. It, it can be like, I want to dig deeper. I want to talk about uh, previous things in life. But if it depends on on the platform, basically, yeah. which is a little bit scary as well. But it's it's also a decision if you want to tap into it or not, or what kind of part, what parts of it you like. I think like as some of the the discuss the, the talks in the beginning about like changing perspectives. For me, I'm I'm always like changing perspective on a lot of things. So in that way, I kind of feel that I can easily shift in and out of of the platforms as well. Like that's why I'm starting to kind of feel that there's a lot of fun things in the K-pop scene. Uh, there's also a lot of things that doesn't get me, but there's, there are some fun things in it, but it's a different thing. It's not emotions that way. I think it's, it's one of the reasons I really love working with you is, is that you have this self-aware mindset, you're flexible and you're one of the most like persistent and harder, like hardworking producers I know which means that you're, you're constantly kind of like pushing yourself, which is amazing. And I, I absolutely, I love that about you. And I, I really admire that about you. For me, who's been in, in this for a long time, I've can, I have been like in, in the, the musical shifts where it went from like harder hitting beats, very like hip hop oriented, went straight into EDM and was on that EDM tip for a lot of years. And I kind of feel that things didn't matter that much. It was mostly about being crazy on the dance floor and sh taking shots and blah, blah, blah. That was most of the lyrics on, in, in this kind of scene were about that. So there was nothing about emotions or anything. So, and that, ha that whole thing has changed, I think, for the last like six years into like people writing like proper great songs just on a piano about emotions like like that the that girl Mimi Webb mm. uh, it's like so beautiful songs and it's about real stuff <laughs> wow yeah dude I was just I was on a I, I've been on a Holly Humberstone yeah like fix for yeah, like yeah. Yeah, weeks yeah. now and it's the same thing I think it's, also I, maybe Julia Michaels opened that door by the way yeah it is a good time to be to be a creator, absolutely. I think. Absolutely. I think um, it's, it's a, like the whole scene is really, really fun right now when you're, my background is a musician. So actually doing like proper chord changes and stuff feels good.
Look, dude, it has been, I mean, I love sessioning with you for exactly this reason that we get to talk so much about real life stuff. And it's always a deep chat with you. So thank you so much for just taking a little time out of your day to do this with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It was absolutely fun speaking about me for 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I put you on the spot. I'm always the one like, you know, I'm the vocalist. I'm like, like, let, let me throw my story out there. I'm like, no, I'm going to flip the tables on you. It's time for you to talk about yourself. <laughs> and you even tried to hide, like, because we're doing this over Zoom. You were like, maybe I'll just go into the vocal booth and you don't have to see me. I'm like, no, 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 no. You're not getting away that easily. <laughs> All right, dude. Well, look, have an awesome day, okay? Thank you. You too. It Bye. Was amazing. Thank you so much for listening to this very first episode of Right to Be Heard with Robert Gillis. It means so much to me to be able to do this. So if you enjoyed this, please leave a rating on whatever service you're using and share this with anyone you feel would be interested in this. It's my joy to share these in-depth experiences from people who are artists, songwriters, and producers who are in the middle of it, who are in the trenches, sharing their day-to-day experiences. So... Until the next episode, have an amazing day, night, whatever you're doing, and I'll see you soon.